Hi, my name is Yasmin Tarehi, and this is Startup Confessionals, where we interview startup founders and entrepreneurs in the Middle East and Africa. We'll learn about some of the biggest lessons these founders discovered on their journey from the personal to the professional and share how they keep themselves motivated. Today's episode is with Nadine Mizher, the founder of Sarwa. Sarwa is the first and fastest growing digital investment platform and personal finance app for young professionals in the Middle East with more than 50,000 registered users. And since launching in February 2018, Sarwa has revolutionized how young professionals grow their wealth by bringing smart, simple, affordable digital investing to the region. Through its mobile app, Sarwa aims to deliver more innovative personal finance products like Sarwa Invest. Sarwa Crypto and Sarwa Trade, which we'll dive into in the show. So thank you so much for joining us, Nadine. Can you briefly share your value proposition in your words with our audience? So Yasmin, as you just mentioned, Sarwa is a digital investing platform. We help people invest their hard-earned money into uh, international markets so they can grow their wealth and build for a better future. Um, Sarwa has currently two core products that we offer. One is Serwa Invest and one is Serwa Trade. Uh, Serwa Invest is the hands-off automated investing that's built around uh, globally diversified portfolios. They're made mainly of exchange-traded funds and they give you the ability to just uh, put your money to work uh, hassle-free. You're onboarded online. It takes five minutes to open an account and then you just... Um, let it run without you having to worry about anything. And then we have the Serwa Trade, which is the self-directed platform. So this is a trading platform that allows you to buy and sell thousands of uh, US stocks and ETFs. And it's a zero commission. And also it offers zero transfer fees for anyone who has a UAE account. So you can transfer from your UAE account to Serwa without incurring any transfer fees. And that's also because Sarwa is actually based out of the UAE. Wow. And you have 50,000 registered users. So um, could you tell us how much of that is in Sarwa Invest versus crypto or trade? Or do you see that most of the people who are on your platform kind of have a mix of all three? Um, actually, that's a very good question. What we do have the majority of our clients that have both accounts. So they have a Sarwa Invest and a Sarwa Trade. And the reality is we launched Sarwa Trade because a lot of our clients were asking us to, you know, be able to just trade in a few ETFs or companies or themes they strongly believe in while having the majority of their money actually invested in the long-term passive investment. So we decided that, you know, we really want to be able to give them the tools um, to, to control, you know, what they invest in while also growing their wealth in the right way. So I would say actually currently the majority of our clients have the two accounts while uh, the second majority is into invest and then you have trade that's really growing very fast. We just launched trade um, a couple of months ago. Amazing. And you guys are offering these products, not just to consumers, but also to like accredited investors. And is that correct? So mainly, mainly Sarwa is a B2C platform. We cater to retail clients. Yes. Okay. Okay. Excellent. But we do, we do have few that are not retail, but that's more on a, on an exception side. Okay. Uh, And so can you talk us through why you decided to start this company? So it started in 2018. 
2017 or 2017, actually, um, I believe. And why did you decide to start it? Well, you are absolutely right. Sadwa launched the platform in February 2018. Now, the idea was started a while back. So 2016, my partners, my co-founders, Mark and Judd, they were in Canada. And they started, you know, asking friends and family. It's usually, you know, when it comes to launching companies, whether they're startups or businesses, it's always, you know, a solution that you're trying to provide for your immediate uh, community, whether it's someone close to you, you realize there's a need uh, to to have such services. So at the time, they were talking to friends and family, and they will tell them where you're investing your money because you know in Canada they do have these options of very extremely affordable, accessible investment tools. While the region, we did not have that. So the typical answer would be saving accounts, right? Like you save money, you put it in a saving account, and. Uh, from my end, Yasmin, I was actually also, you know, I had this very close family member who wanted to invest his money and it's, it's, he's been saving for it for a long time. And then he went to a couple of traditional financial advisors and they wouldn't take him because he didn't hit the minimum account requirement. So it was always that story of people around us um, either not having access to the tools when they needed them or... Um, they didn't even know that they can actually invest. Wow. Nadine, what would you say, you know, you spoke a little bit about where the industry was and why you decided to start the company. Um, but, you know, now what would you say is your competitive advantage in terms of people putting money into other funds? Um, are people in the region more interested in investing in Sarwa or, you know, are there, what are sort of their opportunities to invest? I guess that's the, the question that I'm super curious about. <laughs> It's a, again, very good question. Well, the reality is, I think our biggest competitor currently is the saving accounts. It's, it's people not knowing the importance of actually growing your money and putting it just aside while it's, you know, there's, um, it's losing to inflation. So we decided that Sarwa to focus a lot on education and how can we get the information out to the market so they know that they have options available. Now, the reality is you still have also the traditional advisors. So, And I wouldn't say they're really competition because they haven't managed to cater to especially a young generation that's much more digital, that's looking you know, for convenience, that's looking for, that's very, again, fee sensitive and understanding the importance of having low fees, low account minimums. So the investment opportunities that you have here in the region, um, I would probably split them into three. So you have your, again, your, your traditional way of, uh, of investing, which is traditional financial advisors. Then you have, again, what, something that's big here in the region is real estate investing. But what people tend to also not take into account when they do that is diversification and the liquidity of the asset, which is something very, very important to think about, right? So you don't want to put all your eggs into one basket. but And at the same time, you want to have uh, access to your money when you need to. Uh, real estate is not the most liquid asset. And the third, I would say, again, you do have now new investment platforms that are coming, um, that are digital and uh, that have, you know, again, the, 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 a good accessibility. But but I would still think that we stand out on on many fronts. Mm, amazing. Amazing. And where in the region are you guys uh, available? Is it just the UAE and the Gulf or is it 
available all over the region? So Sarwa is regulated in uh, by two entities. We are regulated in Dubai by the DFSA. So we have offices in the IFC and we're also headquartered out of Abu Dhabi. So we're regulated by the AGGM FSRA in Abu Dhabi. So, um, so our presence, our core market is the UAE and we are really focusing on growing the market share here, but we do have clients from across. So we have clients from across the region and sometimes we do actually even cater to international clients. Um, of course, expansion is always um, in the roadmap. So that's something we're looking into. Oh, yeah. I was curious what the roadmap looked like. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so Nadine, when was the moment that you realized that the product had product market fit? You know, what was there like a particular kind of series of months um, or how did you guys kind of realize that there was some actual kind of meat in this product um, in the early years? Uh, I would say it's really when uh, it went, you know, we had demand beyond the immediate circle of friends and family and uh, the product started growing organically and we started having clients that are advocates. Now, of course, we also do surveys, we do market research and realize there's there's a big demand in the market and the growth that we were seeing, the exponential growth that started happening confirmed what we initially, you know, um, our, our projections of what the demand would be. Uh, and so far we've been hitting every milestone and over, over delivering on that front. Amazing. Amazing. Congrats. Yeah. 50,000 registered users in the region is quite large. So I'm impressed. And Nadine, how did your priority shift based on uh, the stage of the company in size? So you obviously, I believe raised $25 million dollars. Um, you know, how, how have things changed since you raised your round and, and how have your priorities shifted? Uh, yes, correct. We did raise 25 million in total and mainly it hasn't really shifted much, right? Our core focus has always been on democratizing investing, making it accessible and really helping, you know, our clients grow their wealth in the best way possible. And that's something we have at the core of everything we do. Sarwa is very, very client-centric and I'd say it's a very purpose-led brand. That's something the entire team stands by. Now, of course, there are small pivotal moments in our journey where we realize, okay, you know what? We had this roadmap. Now the market um, insights are giving us some really very interesting uh, ideas that we can tap into and test. And again, I'm giving you the example of Serva Crypto and also Serva Trade. Again, that was based on insights from the market and our clients requesting. So as I mentioned, we also do on a regular basis the net promoters score and in it we ask for you know information from our clients what are they looking to see and based on that we start we start doing our analysis we do social listening um, we're always trying to read what the needs of our clients are and even anticipate them and based on that we move right so but the reality as a startup you're always you know um, you're in always a continuous growth mindset and you're always looking to be um, ahead of the game Mm, yeah, that's so important. I think a lot of people don't spend enough time really sitting with their clients and understanding what their clients want and just becoming overly fixated on 
the vision of their product or maybe the operational pieces. But yeah, I'm, I so appreciate that you've kept a focus on your clients themselves and what they want and, and getting the due diligence of what's working for them. So that's, as a product marketer, I mean, that's really the bulk of, of where I think um, the success lies in companies. Thank you. So amazing. <laughs> Thank you. <Sam>. Yeah. <laughs> appreciate it. It, it it is super important. It is very very important to keep. I mean, ultimately, it's it's the client that's at the center of everything you do, right? You can have the best product, but if not, it's not a product that anyone wants, then you're not gonna be able to sell it or market it. But um, but at the same time, it's always very very important to also stay true to what you want to achieve, what the mission you started with. So it's a good balance between the two. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So Nadine, I want to talk a little bit about some things that founders don't necessarily talk about, which is the challenges and how you overcome them. Um, so like, what was a big moment of adversity or a challenge that you may have faced when building the company and how do you overcome it? I think the audience is really usually interested in how other people deal with challenges and adversity because I think it's inevitable, right? We, we often only hear about successes, but we very rarely hear about challenge and failure right yeah so curious like what was a big moment of, of adversity or a challenge that you faced mm. and how did you deal with it I mean I wouldn't necessarily say one big moment but there are you know a lot of different <laughs> whether they could be very small right yes I mean like you can actually on day-to-day basis sometimes you're feeling you know a little bit um, down just because you're like there's so much to do and as a founders we wear so many hats at the same time but that's the beauty of having co-founders I always say it's actually great to to share the journey with other people so you're able to just like support each other it's a roller coaster as you you know, probably you've heard so many times, but I would say, again, I always like to say if in terms of the big lines, there are three main challenges that are very common amongst everyone that has a business. And that is the first one would be capital and raising money and funding. But uh, we were quite different because from the get-go, we had actually a VC that came on board. So it's also very important to leverage strategic partner from the get-go. It definitely helped us. And that helped us navigate a lot of the crazy little um you know, challenges, hurdles along the way. But uh, but it's always the case when you have a company, it's not just funding because you want to drive growth. It's funding when you want to maintain growth. And that becomes a little bit more tricky, I would say. Um, so far, you know, we've had a great journey. We've had a lot of great, actually, um, stakeholders and partners on board, including, you know, uh, government funds like the Dubai International Financial Center, including uh, the Abu Dhabi Investment Office. Um, now we have Mubadala, we have 500 startups, we have Kipco from Kuwait. Uh, like I mentioned, we have Shuruk partners from the get-go, so a lot of great partners along the way. But but the number two, I would say, is well, that's very specific to financial technology, because as you know, Sarwa is a fintech and we're a regulated entity. Now, for for this type of industry, uh, regulation is a challenge. And sometimes it's honestly also a big opportunity because it 
keeps you centered over, you know, the client and how do you make sure, you know, that uh, you're protecting uh, client money and you're safeguarding their data and so on. So it's, it's, it's both a challenge and opportunity, I would say. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what about the people in your life, like kind of the behind the scenes, like the folks who've been supporting you? I mean, it could also be like your co-founder, but I'm curious, like how your relationships have contributed to the success of this business and how the people in your life uh, help you, right? Because it's like you had mentioned, I mean, they're it's difficult, right? Some days and um, even though you have these amazing, amazing um, partnerships um, with with all these different types of, I guess, businesses, right, in the fintech space, um, but how did your relationships really shape you and contribute to the growth of this company and product? Oh, so much. I mean, you know, I've discussed more on a business level, but on a personal level, it's... Um it's both a mindset and a support system, I would say. So you need to have that mindset of perseverance, uh, of having you know that goal in place and in mind and keep focusing on the end goal and then work towards that no matter what you face. But also you do need a support a very strong support system and i'm uh, lucky enough to have my little village around me so it's extremely important to have you know to surround yourself with people that believe in you what you're trying to do so so they can help you they can just they can give you that drive and i'm also a mom of three kids so i'm gonna say it openly like if i didn't have an amazing husband that's also my biggest supporter um i would not be able to actually balance both um and vice versa he also has his own company so i i believe i do the same for him but uh, <laughs> but the reality is you do need that uh that support system and you need you need to have a structure you need to have great people in your life that actually uh, believe in you and and that allows you to to keep moving forward mm, beautiful beautiful and how much weight does technical knowledge contribute to the start of your company because i think a lot of people get a little nervous or worried that if they don't have a technical background or you know a background in engineering and coding that it's difficult to start a tech company and a lot of founders that I've spoken to don't necessarily have a technology background or mm. they have a technology background but not necessarily an engineering background so I'd love to hear um, your thoughts on this you know how much um, do you need to sort of leverage other people or how does that work yeah, yeah, it's it's very true. I mean, we hear that a lot. The reality is, I don't have a tech background, right? I don't come from a, from an engineering background, but I am right now learning how to code because it is something that I'm personally interested in. The way we made it happen in Sedwa is when you choose your co-founders, you choose them based on uh, complementary skills, right? So it's it's amazing how, as I mentioned, you know, I have my two co-founders, uh, Mark and Jad, how we all really have strengths that the other person doesn't necessarily have. And that's what's important when you build something is if you have a gap, make sure you fill it with the right people. Um, so I don't, I wouldn't say that that skill set is a necessity uh, per person, but I would say it definitely is a big, big help um, if you have it as part of uh, as part of the founding team, at least, uh, to help you because the reality is we're a tech company, so it's important to also have that knowledge. But 
there's much more to a business than that. And you need strategic thinking, you need growth mindsets, you need, you know, uh, um, retail strategy, market strategy. Uh, there's a lot more to, to, to bring to the table than just this specific set of uh, skills. Right. Yeah. I mean, it requires like a full team of knowledge and <laughs> direction. So Nadine, what sort of things have surprised you the most on this journey? Um, I would say uh, it's, it's really learning uh, a lot about myself, to be honest. It's the fact that I realized that, um, you know, it, it takes a lot of perseverance and that's something that um, I was happy to see that I have and to continue down that path. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the greatest work, right? You build companies. And I think a lot of people have said that it's kind of like their biggest like spiritual growth, right? They're, yes. they're constantly learning so much about yes. themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, right? You're kind of placed in so many different types of scenarios. So that's so true. That is so true. Yeah. So Nadine, and I know we're, we're going to wrap up pretty soon, but what is a book that you are reading now uh, or a book that you've read over the last five to 10 years that has deeply inspired you that you want to share with our audience? Oh, books. There's so many, to be honest. Like uh, it, it depends on what and uh, where, like, where was I in the journey? But the most recent book that we are reading, actually all of us as a company is scaling up. Um, the one that I like about, you know, marketing is this is marketing. Um, I'm also reading on this side. I'm very interested in, in <laughs> something that doesn't have anything to do with tech, but, but uh, trees. Um, it's a French book about forests and how trees communicate between each other. Uh, it's a big book and I started it a while back and I'm still like, I really want to finish it. Um, there's a very, which book is actually, I was mentioning the other day, um, Things a Little Bird Told Me. Is that, is that, is that what it's called? Things a Little Bird Told Me. Okay. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> uh, it's by the co-founder of, uh, um, of Twitter. It's a very light read. It's a fun read, but it's it's also again great insight into someone that's built a company, uh, a startup, and what they went through. Uh, also, I would say uh, there's a lot of great books, honestly. That uh, and again depends on where I am in the journey. I would say amazing, amazing. These are great. I haven't actually heard of this is marketing, and I'm surprised. Um, and so, where do you get new ideas and inspiration? Is it through books, but, you know, be, besides books and, and, um, maybe conversations, where do you go to like, look for new ideas? Where do we go for new ideas? If we're talking about Sedwa, uh, very, very much the market. Like, again, we're very big on social listening and we have tools that are in place. We also have, you know, Slack. So we use Slack not to do any advertising for any companies, but as communication channel, um, we share a lot of the information from clients' feedback. You know, we're always looking into what we can learn from, from clients and what they want. Um, and just keeping an eye, an eye on everything that's trending, whether it's, again, through the different tools that are available, uh, Google, uh, 
you know, keyword uh, trends and, and planner and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of different ways to collect information uh, and to build on that, but also a lot of internal discussions with the team. I think, you know, now that that company is growing and we each have visibility over uh, one side of the business or maybe, uh, you know, a bit more on client side or on backend side, whatever it is, it is that we need to actually look into, then we make sure to, to have very, very open communication channel and to keep the conversation uh, flowing. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, so Nadine, thank you so much for your time. And where can people find Sarwa? Where can they find information about you? Where can they link up with you? Of course. I mean, we have the app, so you can find Sarwa on, on the app store, uh, both Android and iPhone. And then we have the website. So it's www.sarwa.co. It's C-O. And uh, if they Google Sarwa, we're also on social channels across, you know, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, so whatever they look, I'm hoping that they will be able to easily find us because that's what we're aiming for is just uh, to make it, to make the platform, again, what's at the core of our business is to make it very easy, accessible, but also add the layer of very affordable. Mm, amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much, Nadine. And thank you for starting this company. I think it's incredible that you are empowering so many people to invest their money uh, and grow it, especially with so much inflation that's, that's so high. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time. And for our audience, thanks for joining and for listening to Startup Confessionals. 